if employees feel that their concerns have been listened to and they have an opportunity to be part of the decision-making or, or at least give their two cents, when that new policy procedure is being introduced or implemented, then you have the buy-in of your employees, which makes for an easier transition. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats, from severe weather to a global pandemic. Let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and I'm joined today by Edgar Jatu. Edgar is the executive director of the organization called Workplace Fairness. Edgar, thanks for being here. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking, and I'm happy to be here today. Excellent. Well, good to have you on the show. And our topic today is creating safe and inclusive workplaces. But before we begin, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your background in law and then give them some information about your organization, which is called Workplace Fairness, and your role there? Absolutely. So I practiced law for about nine years. I mainly did employment law representing mostly plaintiffs or workers in all types of employment matters. And from after that, I decided to go into nonprofit world and I became the executive director of Workplace Fairness about two years ago. And I've been doing that ever since. Wonderful. And what is your role there day to day? What do you do? So on a day-to-day basis, I basically managing the entire organization, anything ranging from our communications, our external partnerships, being the main media contact, looking over the finances, and most importantly, making sure that we're carrying through on our mission of educating the public on workers' rights across the country and in DC. So part of my job is to ensure that our 400 pages or more familiar rights content is routinely updated and accurate so that it's helping workers when they come to our site. Well, I noticed you have a lot of stuff there, tremendous amount of information on your site, resources on all sorts of topics like public health emergencies, employee discrimination, workplace violence, and so much more. But what are the most common reasons people typically come to you for guidance or advice? And what is your process for helping them get what they need? Sure. So I would say a lot of the common areas that people come to our site for are unemployment, if they're facing discrimination issues, We noticed that a lot of people come to our site because they have leave issues and need more information about that. And it also depends on the time of year as well. So in in certain parts of the year, some things are more popular than others. Certainly during COVID, a lot of the topics you mentioned, you know, just now were very popular on our site, including unemployment, including leave, you know, can can you be furloughed or, or laid off? So a lot of things came up during the pandemic and continue to still be the case. And I would say that our process is pretty hands-off in that we just hope that the information we put out is enough. We don't give legal advice and we don't necessarily connect people with attorneys directly. Uh, we do have a find a, an employment lawyer search on our website that people are free to use, but we don't necessarily provide any direct advice to people who visit our site. We rely on our pages to provide the information that people need, and we do have that find an employment lawyer search function on our site as well. Do you think that based on what you just said, COVID has really changed the things that people come to your site about or is just increased the number of people reaching out to you? Because previously, 
they weren't concerned about it. And now due to COVID, it's exacerbated their concern and they need help. Yes, I would say both. I mean, so what we did as the pandemic started to unfold is that we created a COVID-19 resource page, which was a collection of information we already had on our site that we felt will be useful to people as they were looking through our site, looking for information, but also adding new things, particularly as laws are changing under the federal law and, na and nationwide. So for example, you had a lot of people looking for information, emergency paid sick leave, both at the federal and local levels, depending where they were living at the, you know, at the time. Also information about workplace safety rules. Some states and some cities enacted emergency workplace safety rules that employers had to abide by. So we wanted to make sure that we provided at least some information on that. Okay. Can you give us an example of a scenario where workplace fairness and safety were prioritized by organization leading to positive outcomes for that organization? I would say that one place where I've seen workplace fairness and safety work together is just how employers have, particularly employers that have really thought this through, have reacted to the pandemic. So whether it's looking at their business operations and what particular employees are doing and making decisions around, hey, you can work from home because it'll be safer for you to work from home, particularly if you are of high risk or you know, if you have family members that you need to take care of, you know, particularly if you have kids staying home because of school, school's closed. You know, and I think that's helped a lot in ensuring that workplaces are safe. Also, putting together policies around how to address when someone in the workforce gets sick from COVID. You know, I, I, and I can't discount the fact how important that is because this is not something you want to shoot from the hip from. You know, you want to want to know that there's a policy and procedure in place to assess the risk to the public, to your employees, to any people who came into your work site, particularly if they weren't wearing a mask, and making sure that you're making the right decisions to ensure everyone's safety, and particularly of the person that contracted the, the virus. You know, you have to figure out if it was something they contracted from your work site or from outside the work site. So there are ways you can do this that still help your business operations, but maintain safety. And, and this more important, people's anxiety and stress levels, you know, it's stressful enough that you have this pandemic and you have all these lockdown procedures and, and some people feel isolated from their families and friends. So whatever you can do as an employer to make it easier for people, I think the better. Okay. Well, it, it seems to me like sometimes it takes a catastrophic issue to help us leap forward into a new normal where there's a minimally acceptable level of service or certain things that we do as an organization or a society. And we've kind of upped our game because of COVID. So are you cautiously optimistic that a lot of this will stick, this safety culture, this workplace fairness culture going forward? Or do you fear it's going to drift off again? <laughs> it's a good question. It's hard to say. I, I know if there's one place, and I think it'll be incremental in most cases, but I think one place where I'm finding and hearing that a lot of employers are starting to internalize this is the idea of not coming to work when you're sick. You know, I think for a long time in this country, you know, we pride ourselves on coming to work when we're sick, you know. Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> All of us, right? All of us. You know, it's you terrible. Have, you have the sniffles and you tough it out. You, you, you're not feeling exactly yourself, you tough it out. You, you go to the office and you just, you know, deal with it. I think now a lot of employers are either culturally or embedding it in their written policy and procedures, the idea of if you're sick and you can work from home, stay home. Yeah. 
you probably have a ton of stories here, but without naming any names, do you have an example of workplace fairness and safety not being a made a priority? And then what issues did that cause this organization that our listeners can learn from? I think the big problem, particularly last year, was that there wasn't a national policy to address workplace safety during COVID-19. And I believe that would have been a tremendous step forward to help employers better manage, you know, their situations in the work in the workplace. And common set of standards. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because what was happening is that in some places, like DC, for example, or Virginia, a big example, which they were the first state to enact actual not just guidance but standards, you know, it was piecemeal, right? And if you're a big employer in a, in a big industry and you're working in multiple jurisdictions, you know, that's not helpful, right? Particularly if you are trying to do the right thing, right? And what was happening, particularly in industries like agriculture and meatpacking or meat processing, is that you had a lot of employers who were still doing things like the like there were before. There wasn't social distancing. There wasn't an emphasis on mask wearing. You know, people were sick, you know, particularly given the demographic workers that tend to work in these industries. You know, they felt that they had to go to work to keep their jobs, you know, and weren't either given the option or even a conversation about taking emergency paid sick leave. You know, you have all these things happening. And what would happen is people get sick, bring it back to their households and communities, and it tremendously increased the spread of COVID. And you hear these heartbreaking stories of people who can't go back to work because they got sick and they suffer prolonged after effects of COVID even after it's out of their system. And what happens is people are behind on rent, even with the eviction moratorium, you know, you, you can only imagine just the anxiety there of potentially losing your home. You know, you're on unemployment and the unemployment system is backlogged and way beyond its max for what it was intentionally built for, yeah. you have all these ripple effects, you know? And, and to me, you know, for the employers that were cavalier about the safety of their workers, I think shame on them, you know, because not only are you putting your employees at risk unnecessarily, but you're, you're impacting society in a negative way, right? It's not, this doesn't happen in a vacuum, you know? And, and to me, that was one of the more saddest and frustrating aspects of the COVID-19 pandemic and, and, and this workers' rights is, is just seeing this happen. Sure. Well, your business is your people. You can't conduct business without them. So putting their safety first is just critical, not just for the health and safety of the employee, which is the real reason to do it, but it's also good for business. It's a secondary effect. So it's important. Well, I think nearly everyone would agree that organizations should take care of employees and treat them fairly, but organizations like OSHA, I mean, you know, wouldn't exist if that was always the case. And a lot of companies out there still struggle to get it right. So in your opinion, what are the essential components of a fair and safe workplace that you think every organization should implement? Well, I, I would say that transparency is a big one in that when thinking through how to treat workers fairly and enacting policy and procedures that are the benefit to, to workers, transparency is important. And so that's one of the big things for me. Also, equity and fairness, right? You know, you want to be fair to everyone. And you can't, for example, treat one group different than the other because you believe that they're more viable to you or because of your personal beliefs, right? So I think that's a, that's a second one that's, I think, crucial. And also there has to be 
this push to ensure that employees have a seat at the table. And what I mean by that is it's okay for, you know, sometimes when thinking through how to present a new policy or procedure or, or anything into a workplace that employees might have an opportunity to weigh in, mm. right? If employees feel that their concerns have been, have been listened to and they have an opportunity to be part of the decision-making or, or at least give their two cents, you know, when that new policy or procedure or whatever is being introduced or implemented, then you have the buy-in of your employees and which makes for an easier transition. You know, I think that's also very important. And lastly, I would say that there has to be this idea that there's more to life than just work. You know, many employees are more than just your employees. You know, they're someone's, you know, husband or wife or mother or father, you know, a sibling, you know, they might be in a board of an organization, you know, belong to other civic associations in their community. And so you have to see that, you know, people are more than just the people that work for you, right? They're full, well-rounded individuals in, in many in many regards. And so I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't have a place that you emphasize people working hard for you and doing anything necessary to contribute to the success of your organization, but it can't be at the expense of people having full lives outside of work. Yeah. I think a lot of organizations and even just individuals struggle with that because yeah. I hired you to work. <laughs> I didn't hire you to be part of your family, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but really ultimately that's what it's all about. So that's a great point. Now I understand you guys have a workplace bill of rights that you put out there. Can you summarize them for us and tell our listeners why it was important to create something like that? Well, I would say that it was initially important to create something like this because it's a culmination of a lot of what the labor movement and workers have been asking for and fighting for, for decades you know, in this country, right? So it's a lot of stuff here is not new. You know, it's just a culmination of a lot of the truths and aspirations that people in this country want in, in a workplace. And so some of the things on the Bill of Rights are employees should be treated with honesty and respect, you know, transparency and a seat at the table. Working full-time should guarantee a basic standard of living. Workplace should be free of discrimination, that's mostly embedded in a lot of the statutes in, under federal law and under state law, but unfortunately, employers sometimes forget that, you know, that it, it shouldn't just be something you do because you have to, but it should be an aspiration, something that you want to do is to have a discrimination-free workplace. And that's all forms of discrimination. No working person should be without health insurance. You know, that's something that I think has been exacerbated because of COVID. You know, you had a lot of people who didn't have health insurance you know, or access to, or to, to any sort of leave that would allow them to, to care for themselves. You know, that's important. No one should have to work his or her, her entire life. You know, the idea that you should be able to retire at some point or, or want to do other things with your time. And again, I think it goes back to how we pay people and, and how we ensure that they have an opportunity to retire, you know, and not work their whole lives and not be able to enjoy their, their golden years. And I think, you know, something that is important to this podcast is every workplace should be safe as possible. You know, it, it, like it's unacceptable that we still have workplaces that are unsafe. That's just not acceptable. You know, there's so much research and time that's been put in to make workplaces safer, you know, and the common thing you might get from employees is that, well, it costs too much. Well, that's just not 
that's not good enough, at least in my book. Yeah. Well, it comes back to Maslow's basic hierarchy of needs. Until you know your safety is taken care of, you can't be very productive. So it seems like if you want a good business that's productive, make sure your people feel safe and the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. yeah. Well, we typically close out each episode by asking our guests to give the listeners an important takeaway or just piece of advice that they can use immediately to make a difference at their organization. What can the audience do today, in your opinion, to help improve their company's safety culture? I would say the number one thing you can do is be more empathetic. You know, there's nothing worse than someone who gets injured at work and they can't do, do the very thing that helps provide for their family. You know, or, or God forbid that someone loses their life because of something that happened at work that could have been avoidable, you know, and, and that family has lost that person that they love and that community lost that person they love dearly. Right. And that stuff, you know, look, things happen, right? Accidents happen and you can't avoid that. Right. And I'm not saying that you have to, that you can account for every single thing. Accidents do happen, of course, and we can all understand that. But when it's things that could be avoidable, particularly when workers are saying, hey, this is unsafe, we don't feel good about this, you know, and particularly when you're dealing with workers that they're hemmed up, they have to work, right? They have to need this job, you know, for all sorts of reasons. I think the best thing to be empathetic. And, and when people say that they feel unsafe, don't just disregard and dismiss it, you know, investigate, at least hear them out. You know, and maybe there are things you can do to alleviate the fear that don't cost you anything. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to change your frame of reference and your mindset, and that can make all the difference in the world. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. We appreciate your time, your expertise, and advice. And if anyone listening has follow up questions or wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Absolutely. They can email me at edgar at workplacefairness.org. Or they can follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or YouTube page with all sorts of information. And yeah, that's how they can contact me. Well, thanks so much again for taking time to join us on the Employee Safety Podcast. And for the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.